Welcome back to another episode of Failing Forward. Of course, I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. If you enjoy the show, like, comment, subscribe, do all the stuff you need to do to support the artists that you like. And I'm joined here with Ocean McAdams, Hello. and I made sure to say your name correctly. I, I deeply appreciate it. Because it's M-A-C. M-A-C, Scottish. And we were talking before we started about uh, about the failure of spelling names correctly. <laughs> Because <laughs> yes. that happens all the time. I once had a I once had a gig where my name was spelled wrong on the marquee. It was not only was my last name spelled incorrectly, there was a D in there, but also they called me Dave. And there was like the opener was kind of being a dick, and at one point, very facetiously, I said, "Damn it, my name's the one spelled wrong on the marquee, not yours." <laughs> so anyway. Joined here with Ocean. Uh, Ocean, you're uh, the, the way, president. I get, it, I get it both ways, just so you know. But we, sorry, I didn't yeah, mean to. Oh, because your first name I, too. I have a million conversations about my uh, about my first name. I am very curious about your first name, actually. You but know, can we drop your credits first yeah, to make please, sure people know why you're here? Yes, yes. Which because you're the president of Thrillist. I am. Which is a big deal. I don't know about that, but it's in a wonderful company. It's a it's a great company, and and you're the president of it. That uh, sounds like I, a high title. I am the president of it. <laughs> I uh, I get to work with uh, about a hundred incredibly creative writers and producers who are utterly dedicated to uh, you know giving everybody out there in the world the uh, most best knowledge of where to eat, where to drink, uh, where to go, and uh, what to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I want to get back to that. I just wanted to drop your credits Absolutely. first. I appreciate it. But your first name, it was it hippie, hippie Parents? How did that happen? Yeah. It was, you know, it was Northern California in the uh, in the early 70s. Uh, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. That's the town exactly. I grew up in, I, I, let's see, I had a, uh, a friend named Strawberry. Nice. And her sister, no joke, Cream. Oh, my God. You had Strawberry yeah, and Cream. Cream. Now Cream has changed her name since then. Uh, that's had... got to be a bullied name. Yeah, that's not. That wasn't fair of her parents. I yeah, think. Strawberry, Strawberry. That's more yeah. cute. Yeah. But a girl named Cream. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. There were twin twin boys, uh, Ivory and Shelter. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on. There were a lot of names. That... But but yeah, Northern that's, California. That's incredible. This commune sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, uh, you're so you're the president of Thrillist. I am. And that's been for a couple years now, right? Yep. Little, I literally, I think I celebrated my two-year anniversary uh, last month. And you replaced the founder. I did. Right? Which did. is, that's got to be a tough thing because well, there, it's, it's well, there the were founder's two, vision. Yeah. yeah there, well, there's, there were two founders. Yeah. Um, uh, Adam and Ben. Um, ben um, has uh, subsequently gone on to become the CEO of the parent company of Thrillist. Um, oh. So he is my boss. That makes sense. So not only have I, did I replace him, I also still report to him. And as you might imagine, he still cares deeply uh, about Thrillist, which is great. Yeah, it's fantastic. So you have to you have to not only do your job in the manner that most people have to do, which you have to try to do your job as well as possible, but you are literally replacing the guy who created it and who you still report to. Yes, that is that's not just big shoes to fill; it's big shoes to fill while the guy whose shoes they are are is watching you fill it. I live in utter fear every day that he's going to come down from uh, the the tenth floor and. Uh, say you have destroyed this incredible thing that I spent 14 years building. Yeah, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> this is not. Um, all right. So uh, thank you for thank you for joining us here. As I said, this is a topic that I am uh, very fascinated and think a lot about. Failure in general. Failure. Yes. Yeah. You're a baseball guy. I am a huge baseball guy. I'm sure you said this on. The, I haven't heard you say it, but I'm sure you have. Um, you know, I the, working in the entertainment business, doing yeah. development work. 
like a like a like a major league hitter, if you fail six out of ten times, you're in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I mean, if you fail seven out of ten times, <laughs> you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's always that's always uh, it's it's interesting though because that's with a hitter. With a pitcher, it's slightly different. With a pitcher, you you have to fail even less. Yeah. Um. So and with a closer, I mean, <laughs> but that's also something on a on a much bigger scale of that. Um. I I try to impart to young comics that if you if you get rejected ninety nine out of a hundred times, but only ninety nine out of a hundred times, you'll be the most successful comedian of all time. Right. Because it's constant rejection. Yeah. And I imagine which I can't imagine. I mean, I've been around a lot of comics in my life, and I just still to this day do not understand how you guys get up on stage and do it. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's lack of other job skills is, <laughs> is the main driving force. Um, but it is. Uh, I, I actually used to joke about that a crippling fear of failure, but it's actually not having any fear of failure that allows right. you to do it. Yeah, um, it's the. I should say it's the fear of eventual failure. But the short term, you know, so you put the work in so you don't fail in the long run. But you can go up now yes. and bomb, and you'll be, you know, happy about it, but you can move on with your life. So you saw my set this week. <laughs> no, um, I, it is, yeah, I mean, you won't I'm be sure, happy I'm sure about it. I'm sure it doesn't it. happen as much as it did in the beginning. But, yeah, the, the yeah. only thing to get a bad taste out of your mouth, like a bad set out of your mouth, is uh, is having another one, or having a good one, I mean, is going up again. Um, which sucks because so many times when you play a club for a week, the worst show is usually the last show of the week because it's either <laughs> Why is that? it's either well because they do a Sunday show, and you'll be doing like sold out Fridays and Saturdays, or they do like a late show Saturday, and you know usually the Saturday early show is amazing. Saturday early show is often the best of the week, and then you do the Saturday late show, and it's either crap or it's pretty good, and then you're like, oh. Th- God, that's the thing I'm holding on to. Okay, anyway, I'm talking too much about me. I want to talk no, about no, you. No, so, but I'd imagine this sort of thing is the same in your side of the industry as well. Yeah, I mean, I know you talk to a lot of folks who are on the receiving end of development executives, and yeah. um, and I, you know, I it I can only imagine how terrible it is because I, I've pitched shows many times in a freelance space, so I know how crappy it is when someone says no or someone doesn't understand the vision. But I think sometimes. It's easy to kind of knock the suit on the other side of the table, um, but they're living in just the same amount of fear and terror and uncertainty um, that you are, um, and which is part of the reason I wanted to come on was to yeah. kind of give that perspective. Um, That's why I wanted to have you. <laughs> um, because you know, ultimately, no one knows anything. Uh, you know, uh, we're all just guessing. Can I change the name of the podcast to that? No one knows anything. That's the na- that's the title of the episode for sure. No one knows anything. Um, I. And that is true. But the weirdest part about this is now you're the president of the company, but typically people aren't just pitching you straight off. Usually they meet with someone else first. That's correct. Yes. And the weirdest part of this all to me from I, I, I'm trying to remember how old I was when I realized this. I think I was around 30 years old when I realized that the gatekeepers, the people who decide whether or not one of us becomes a household name and a millionaire and all this stuff, typically have two roommates and live in Williamsburg or you know or three roommates and live in Silver Lake or whatever <laughs> right. it is you're like they're, you're the booker on a, a yeah I know it's they're amazing struggling. at one point there were three bookers of Letterman like the at the end of Letterman there were three bookers they were all in I think their mid-20s and like they all had roommates and they were like scattered around the city and meanwhile Someone who's been at comedy for 15 years and is doing pretty well and could, you know, buy and sell them in a way is just like, 
please give me a chance? Will you please give me a chance? And it's such a, it's an interesting power dynamic because there's a ton of power being held by people who don't yet have power in their own industry. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they're, they're the ones, they're the ones ultimately getting names in front of the people who are ultimately saying yes or no. You know, one absolutely. of the things I never, I always was always curious when I was coming up at MTV where I spent the first 13 years of my career, I got always curious, like, what does Judy McGrath do all day? Who was, you know, then yeah. the president. And, you know, as you get closer to that, I never obviously got to those uh, lofty heights, but um, as you get farther and farther up the, uh, up the chain, you realize that really what you do at that level is you basically say yes or no all day. All yeah. day long, people are presenting opportunities to you. And you, with imperfect information, you are just essentially saying yes or no. And that's really hard. Yeah, because you will take the blame for someone else's stupid idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. The buck should stop with you. But also, then you do get the credit for for success, but then the people who thought of the success that brought it to you are like, why do you get the credit? It's like, well, because it was my job to decide <laughs> if this was a thing or not. Yeah. Like, I get, I get the credit because I had to make this decision. And there are definitely some times where I have been very frustrated with the suits. I've been very frustrated with people who are are so beyond out of touch. Like there are people who make the decision where they're like, oh, I don't really find this funny. And I'm like, you're not our demo. Right. Like I dealt with that when I was uh, when I was doing the show at Fox where all the decision makers were white guys in their 60s and the predominant demo that we had was black women in their 30s. Right. And I was like, why don't you maybe talk to someone to see if this is – like you're not the audience. Absolutely. Yeah, and especially at the top, top and uh, on a network like that, you're talking about people who, who – who haven't bought their own socks in a decade. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and that's very difficult to like, well, maybe you don't get this shopping joke. Uh, so so that's tough. Do you? But do you also find that, now Thrillist is a smaller company. Yeah, pretty small. And so you have, you know, you have a lot more leeway, you have a lot more ability to bob and weave. Absolutely. Do you find that you get lumped in with the suits? Um. My, do I find that I yeah. get lumped in with suits? Sure, everybody, you know, everyone thinks you're a suit. Uh, yeah, as you know. soon as you have president on your title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The biggest, the the weirdest thing about being, um, you know, an executive again, I wouldn't not oversell my seniorness, uh, but. Uh, yeah, there is a super president above you, and then <laughs> yeah, an ultra exactly. president above him. But no, but what's what's fascinating is being managed, where all of a sudden you don't like people are like. You find out that oh I, I you know I'm not ready to present that to him yet like you know you all of a sudden you realize that you are actually people are anticipating your thoughts about stuff and managing uh, oh. which is really fascinating and uh, so know. people who because they're the gatekeepers to you yeah which is their job but has there are there situations where you're like but I wanted to find out about yeah that. Well, I want to be in the brainstorming session or yeah. you know I want to see all the ideas and you're like no no we'll, we'll but work. you have to give up some control yeah you have to. Yeah. You can't do everything. Yeah, there's there's not enough time in the day. And so you have to I mean the most important thing is to be surrounded by good people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean one of the weird things especially and you as you probably found as well is you know in our in our business a lot of times your reward for being decently creative is you get promoted to a spot where you're no longer creative. Right? Oh, that is <laughs> such an awful truth. Right? All of a sudden you're dealing with budgets and where do people sit and you know, uh, how are we going to make the payroll this week? You know, so and then you, you don't do any of the creative work, which is why you got in the business in the first yeah, place. Yeah, which is so it's so stupid, but it's so true yeah. like that. Yeah, that is something that you're like it doesn't 
work that way in, you know, you brought up baseball. Like, it doesn't work that way in baseball. No. You know, you're a good hitter. You get promoted to being a good hitter. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what you do. And eventually, when you can't do that skill anymore, that's when you move on to something else. Right. But as long as you have that skill, they, they ring every little drop out of you. Whereas, like, in entertainment, they're just like, oh, this is the best writer we've ever had. Let's have him produce. Right. And by the way, oftentimes... Just because you're a good creative doesn't mean you're a good manager. Yeah. So you get promoted into management where you're not a good manager and you're not doing the creative work anymore. Yeah, it and happens then you're, over and over. Yeah, and, and then over you're again. screwed. So you're just you're just a bad manager and not doing anything creative. And they also yeah. that's why there's such a revolving door with executives. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why there's so many people because they you know they're like oh well you were and even it's something okay you were a good executive producer on this show so now you're going to be the head of a department it's like but those are two very different totally skills. Totally different skills. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same way that I always found it weird that we elect senators to be president because <laughs> right. it's a completely different skill set. Yeah. It's such just, a weird it's just the next job. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually I, I think probably mayor and governor make more sense in terms of what they've actually done. Absolutely. Um but there's no there's no stepping stone to pre- anyway, okay. Anyway, right. Talk, speaking getting, to a president. Yeah. So <laughs> um I want to I want to talk failure with you though. Yes. Because you don't get to where you are without having some some things explode in your face. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I have failed a lot, especially since I left MTV. So, you know, I came up at MTV News. Uh, I spent 13 years there, probably longer than I meant to spend there. Yeah. Um, but it was an amazing place to be. First of all, it was during, you know, a great time at MTV. You know, I was there in the late 90s, the boy band thing, TRL. It was, you know, MTV was, was crushing it. But the reality is, is that... Um, that everything I did at MTV News, which was amazingly fun, we, everything from pop culture to politics. I mean, there was literally times where I'd be producing the pre and post show for the VMAs, and the next day I'm at the Republican convention doing politics, right? Yeah. You got to do uh, TV, you got to do web, you got to do development, you got to do a million things. But the reality is, is that MTV News, while an important part of the soul of MTV, was never the driver of the business. No. Right? So, uh, I loved it, but I wanted to be at a place where I was the head. The, I used to say, I want to be the head, not the tail. Yeah. I wanted to be a place where I was really, I, I could actually have a real impact to help the business succeed or fail. And when I left MTV, I made a couple of promises to myself. First of all, I would never work for a really, really big company again if I had, could help it. Uh, and, uh, and second of all, that I would always be at the core of that business to really be part of that, uh, of, of that. That's so interesting. And because of that, I've put myself in situations that there was a high chance of failure uh, yeah. and have failed um, over and over and over again. Um, I've had some successes. Uh, I think Thrillist is going to be is a success and will continue to be a success. But um, but no, I've been at some some pretty tough situations. I don't regret any of them. I had a great time at everywhere I, everywhere I, uh, I went. Um, a perfect example was the late and not too lamented current television. Do you remember current TV? I remember that that existed. Yes. But if someone, if I were on like a game show and there was like a clue, like I would recognize that name, but I couldn't tell you what it did. Right. <laughs> you know, if they, like if they, if I, even if I had a multiple choice, I don't know if I could tell you what current TV did. So it was started by Al Gore. Yes. And a couple other people. Yeah. And it was originally started as... It was going to be a short-form TV network. It was almost YouTube before YouTube existed. The idea was it was uh, or Quibi before Quibi existed. Yeah. Um, Isn't I, it still right now before Quibi exists? <laughs> <laughs> very optimistic about but Quibi. It's, a lot no, of, but it, a lot I mean, of it's very on its smart way. people there. Yeah, yes. it's on its way. Yes. It's about to. Yes, but, yeah. a few more months. Um, 
Shout out to Janice. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So the the original idea that they were gonna they were going to hire a bunch of producers. They were gonna do UGC, which wasn't really a thing at that time. They were gonna give people cameras. They were gonna have people send in. They they built some incredible tools. So that's user generated content. User generated content. They Just were making yes, sure. I apologize. Uh, I don't know where I'm looking when I looked to the camera. That's too. okay. There's um, there's there's people behind the cameras. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they were gonna build a network on short form, original productions, and user generated content. Um, and they launched, and with a lot of buzz, they raised a lot of the money. They got a lot of distribution, which is great, good for them. Um, and it just didn't work. Yeah, people weren't watching. Uh, it really wasn't. It wasn't a success. I think it was just too soon. It was too soon, and also there became a place for short form content. You, why would you sit around watching, you know, forty seven segments in an hour when you can go pick and choose all that kind of stuff on, you know, online? Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, it was not that dissimilar than MTV's experience of music videos, right? The more opportunities you're giving people to change a channel, the worse you're off. You want people to stick around for an hour, two hours. You don't yeah. want people to be, oh, that three-minute thing is over. Now I'm going to go see what else is on the other channel. I do, I do miss the ability to just flip to MTV, though. I know. Like, as much as you could change the channel away, you could also change the channel to it. Well, when I first started MTV, MTV, we always thought of it as a, like your, almost like your base channel, like where you'd, you'd come home from school at 3 o'clock. And you turn MTV on. That's 100% what on, I did. Right? And you check, oh, it's 5 o'clock. I'll see what's on, whatever. But you'd always kind of leave it on MTV. I got cable when I was 15, so it was 1994. And I, by the way, I just lost half of my viewers. And so <laughs> uh, I, I remember the channels I would always just flip on. It was yeah. Comedy Central, MTV, VH1. Yeah. And I would just flip between those three. And occasionally there wouldn't be anything on the three, and I would change it. But I remember I was excited to find out like who the artist of the month was, and I was excited like it was it was paradise. It was yeah. great. I do understand why they shifted away, but man, do I miss it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, like channel surfing is a it's a thing of the past. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so great. Yeah. It was uh, every now and then I'll be in a I'll be in a hotel room, and I'll like flip on a TV absolutely. and flip around. I got, I got to my hotel last night. I sat in the bed and I flipped through channels. Yeah. It's like ah, oh, I hadn't watched. TNT in a while. Right. I both I both miss it when it happens and also get so annoyed by it. But part of that is because I don't know what numbers the channels right. are in the area. Right. Exactly. Um, Anyways. I want, I want you to continue telling the story, but we're going to take a break. Absolutely. Because we're going to make sure people come back <laughs> after this. Don't don't uh, don't leave and watch music videos. It's come a, on. It's a good story. Back. I got a good story. Yeah. All right, we are here with Ocean McAdams, the president of Thrillist, and we're learning about your your current TV journey. Yes. And I don't mean your journey through TV currently. Capital C, <laughs> current TV. Capital yes. C, yes. yes. So they decided that the short form thing wasn't working. Uh, at the time, I was now a freelance producer and a consultant. I had done a whole bunch of projects. I had done a talk show pilot for ABC. I was doing a lot of consulting work. And essentially, they I said, hey, we are moving from short form to long form. Will you come in and keep the trains running on, uh, you know, while so the thing so we actually still have a channel uh, while we kind of figure out what we want the programming filter to be. And by the way, if you have an idea of what you think current TV can be, we'd we'd love to hear it. We'll talk about it open wide. I know a channel that nobody's watching, that is got decent funding, some pretty smart people, uh, some really good on air talent, and kind of no agenda. It's like oh, this is kind of intriguing. So I joined as a, originally as a consultant, and um, you know I don't want to take all credit for this because it was a lot of us thinking about it. But essentially, ultimately, what we came up with was, hey, we know we want this to be about current events. Yes. 
we know we want to really focus on on young people. Um, and but other than that, like we know we're not going to do. We're, we know we're not we're not going to be CNN. We know we're not going to be MSNBC. Like what what are other opportunities are there? And the idea that we came up with was like, hey, is there an opportunity to use the popular formats of the day, reality shows, game shows, uh, competition shows, but to address the issues of the day through those formats. Interesting. Yeah. Um, can we come up with four? Can we can we can we get show pitches to, uh, on that? Um, can we talk about? Is that what Are You Smarter Than Fifth Grader was? <laughs> no. Although you know what show <laughs> that I missed out on that I wanted? Yeah. Catfish. Really? Yeah. So Tom Foreman, who's the EP of Catfish, uh, he I went to his office and I I saw it and I was like I got to have the show. MTV had a little bit more money. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but it was like, okay, I mean, I think we probably would have taken a different direction, but that's about online identity and right. safety, and how you can talk about that th- through that. We had a um, we had a reality show about um, firefighters in uh, in Montana, like uh, guys who jump out of planes to you know, do fires um, on the mountain. But what was fascinating when we met with them is they talked about uh, climate change constantly. It was like the number one topic they would talk about. Was you know how much they were seeing the climate change and how they re- how we react to that, but it was a really kind of muscular like. But wait, show. I got cold this winter. I thought climate wasn't changing <laughs> yeah, anymore. Exactly. <laughs> wasn't there a snowball somewhere once? Uh, literally every time it snows on the East Coast, I'm waiting for Donald Trump's email. Hey, oh, we could use some of that global it's warming. So it tries me. Nuts. It's yeah. yeah. As it turns out, weather and climate mean two different things. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so so firefighters in Montana jumping out we of had, helicopters. We had a million. We had a bunch yeah. of shows. We spent six months putting together. Um, we had to take it around all, you know, if you change your programming format, you have to go to your distributors. You have to go to Time Warner and Cablevision and go, hey, I know we sold you on this network of short form. We have a different idea. Are you okay with that? You have to do all that. Yeah. You have to go to your advertisers. You have to go to your funders and let them know that you're, uh, that you're trying. And so everybody was pretty excited about it. We had a, really, we had a bunch of nice pilots and a bunch of uh, cool ideas. Um, and we were, uh, we were all ready to go. I was about to start buying shows. I had started buying shows. And then Keith Oberman left MSNBC, and you know I had hired, I had hired development executives. I had agreed to stay on. I was no longer a consultant. I was now the SVP of programming. And one day, uh, my boss goes, "There's going to be some big news breaking in a couple of days." Oh what? no! Uh, we're going to hire Keith Oberman. Like Keith Oberman, why? We're going to. We're actually. I, we really liked your idea, but uh, and I know you spent a lot of time working on this. But we're going to uh, we're actually going to become we are going to do more uh, straightforward cable news studio shows uh, built around Keith Oberman. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> I, I just got back from a roadshow of like a month long roadshow to uh, to to pitch this whole new format of the channel. Yeah. I'm buying shows. I got money out there. We've hired people. Yeah, we're going to go in a different direction. Oh. <laughs> And I said, can I just, I said, is it ink dry? Can, can I just, let me just do something for you. And I wrote on the uh, whiteboard, the cable, I, I wrote a circle. I wrote the, ca- this is the cable landscape. Yeah. And then I wrote the, the chart, the pie chart of what percentage of that cable landscape news is. It's a pretty small sliver. Yeah, it's three channels. Yeah, okay. Amongst that, by far the biggest slice of that pie is Fox News. Yeah. Conservative. Then you have CNN and MSNBC essentially fighting over the moderate to liberal slice of that. Yeah. Okay. Now here's 
slices are getting pie slices are getting smaller and smaller. So now you are going to carve out a more liberal than MSNBC slice of that pie. I'm like, where's that audience going to come from? Yeah. And then and it didn't didn't work out. I could also have <laughs> all of the people who you were like contracting to do shows that then got canceled. I could have them all on telling their failure stories too. Cuz that one phone call, that's a ripple effect. Oh yeah. Or that one meeting or however it is they told you. Oh, you got to spend days call and calling people and hey, I'm 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 so sorry. Yeah. In some cases you're in contract so you're writing checks. Yeah. People are leaving. Yeah, it was uh it was crazy. I wish them nothing but the best. I hoped it worked. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. Um did yeah. you leave when that happened? I did. I'm not a, I was I was like you need new studio producers like I'm not yeah, I didn't produce, you know, the 9 a.m. morning show at CNN. Like, you need people who do that stuff, and I'm not that guy. You need someone to build a studio. Yeah, they need people who have done like the local news in Tulsa. Like, they need <laughs> well, not Tulsa if they're going after Keith, Keith Olbermann, but that yeah, what a and it's such a it's such a paradigm shift. Like when a company does that, yeah, it's it's so strange to me when people stay though. Yeah. Because well, you know, it's a job. Right, but it's right? suddenly it's a di- it's a completely different job. <laughs> it's a it's a totally different skill set. That is that is crazy when that happened. What was your I mean, what was your non-professional reaction? Like what was your do you have family at the time? Yeah, I mean, my non-professional reaction was, man, I I, I got to get a job because I got to pay the rent. Yeah. Uh and uh you know, I, at the time I think I had at the time, I had two kids. Uh, now I have three. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I had to find work. Yeah, yeah. and that's got to be a strange phone call. You call home and just be like, hey, I need a new job. Why? Keith Olbermann. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'll connect the dots when I get home. I'm about to get on the subway. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's a very strange phone call. And that's also, that's also interesting because, obviously, Keith – must have gambled on this being a big thing. Yeah, listen, I can't speak for his mindset. I don't right. know what was going on with him. Um, you know, I didn't deal with him that much. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, I mean, it seemed to have been a disappointment for everybody involved, I'll say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there was no one happy about it. No, I don't think anybody ended up happy in that in that scenario. Yeah, not even the Time Warners or the, you know, suddenly. They... No, I mean, a bunch of people invested in, you know, in that company. I think, well, I think, I mean, they did sell eventually, so yeah. I think some people did okay. Didn't they sell, if I remember correctly, didn't they sell to Al Jazeera? They did, they sold to Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. I passed you, the game show. You did. They sold to, yeah, they launched Al Jazeera US, which... Also, nobody watched. Uh, well, I mean, talk about a <laughs> bad branding idea. Yeah, that's a tough brand. I, I think, I think again, I wasn't there with that by the time that happened. I think everybody assumed the name would change. Yeah. Like, no, it's going to be Al Jazeera US. Everyone kind of saw that. Like, that was one of those things where, like, look, I get Al Jazeera sounds a little bit like Al Gore. You know, there's a there's a there's something there. But it also sounds a little bit like Al-Qaeda. Right. And that was something that in that time, in that yeah. time in our history— to try to like Obama almost lost because his middle name was Hussein like I can't even imagine well I guess he didn't almost lose because he still won in a landslide (laughs) but that was a thing a lot of people were like trying to get him on yeah and just the idea of branding oh this US network is called Al Jazeera it was just it it didn't it wasn't gonna fly and then it went away it's so funny we never think about like 
TV networks do just go away. Like, yeah. I'm always like, what? There, where does their space on the dial? Like, it just, it just goes away. It just goes dark well, one day. Because it used to be, like when we were growing up, there were very specific channels. Yeah. So you know, a channel never left. Right. It wasn't the idea of like, oh, suddenly, you know, MTV is now Animal Planet or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know if Animal Planet existed yet. Or it was actually animals at the time. It was just, <laughs> like it was more like a Nat Geo type thing. Right, I think actually they did love animals. Yeah, but I mean, a, they, by the way, our my sister company, the Dodo, has a fantastic show on Animal Planet. That oh, everybody, nice! Everybody should watch. They still have. I mean, they still obviously they still have animals, they but do. I mean, they it used really, to. They, I think it used to well. just be like more documentary style. It was. Yeah, I mean, listen, programming. Listen, programming filters change on a regular yeah. basis. People come up with new ideas, um, new new filters. Um, you know, the funniest they, one to me, the, the that changes is the Learning Channel. Yes. That's the one that, because the Learning Channel was the one that was like, oh, this is a very boring, science-y type of thing. And then they're just like, what about little people? And be it's, like, oh, like a I show? Know. No, no, it's no. No, so eight shows. It's so hard. It's so eight hard. Shows. <laughs> think, though, like, think what it's like if you're a programming executive. Yes. Yes, everybody knows you for one thing. You take a flyer on a show and people watch. What are you supposed to do? Oh, I don't fault them for it. I just think it's hilarious that <laughs> I, like I agree. I mean, it's crazy. but at least they understood that they had to change it to TLC right. from the Learning Channel because at least they understood that they're like we can't legally say anyone's learning. <laughs> like they knew that it's like Kentucky Fried Chicken is KFC now because it's not enough chicken. <laughs> the, the, by the way, the harder part is when you have a successful show that's beginning to fade. That's the really hard one. Mm -hmm. So. TRL is a perfect example, right? Like yeah. I was there, the height of TRL, and you know, 1999. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but Times Square would be full of people to see the Backstreet Boys. I and, was. Know, uh, yeah. We went to TRL once when we were in college. Who, and my, uh, who was my, there? Uh, I so I ended up not being able to get in, but my buddy like got on it. Like he was like, like he was right there. And he the, was no, he was like pulled in and like interviewed or something. He was like part like, of the yeah like Carson or it know, was somebody. yeah probably <laughs> by Carson Daly. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, I mean, he was like this. He was this good looking aspiring actor kid who you know it made perfect sense. He was, he was yeah yeah. But I just remember like the day went because we just decided we would just go to Times Square and see what was going on. And then suddenly Chris is on TRL and that's kind of how it worked. That's awesome. But so all right, so eventually that that show faded, right? Yeah, um, like all shows do eventually. But then what do you do when you're putting that show on the air? Let's, you know, TRL is a perfect example. Yeah, it wasn't getting, uh, let's say at the, its height, it was being watched by 3 million people. I can't remember what the numbers were, but let's say it was being watched by 3 million people. Then it's a million people. That's still a kind of successful show. Right. If you take that show off the air, there's no guarantee what you're going to replace it with is going to be better. Right. You're not going to suddenly launch a new TRL. You don't know. But you, but you do know that your show is slowly fading. So right. that is a that's a death spiral that's so hard to pull out of that's terrifying. Well, I mean, we talk MTV like Jersey Shore, which I I truly believe, and I do not like reality TV for the most part. That show was awesome. Jersey Shore's first season was some of the best TV I've ever seen. Incredible. Because it was watching people who genuinely believed that they were the best people in the world get rejected constantly. <laughs> it was amazing. The Schadenfreude on that show was beautiful watching that and just being like why do i have more game than all of these people and then Fantastic. the second season they were famous and they got self-aware yeah. so right I mean, so they were already self-aware but you know what I mean. yeah they still had no game but it didn't matter because they were famous and so and then the show becomes trying to deal with that right both and from it, a production standpoint and a 
like just as a care as people as right human beings and then the it's world. just not as fun anymore because then it just becomes like oh what are the wild things we can get them to do because they're famous and they have people hanging all over them and like that's not why it was fun it was fun because they were absolute losers who thought they weren't <laughs> and that's why it was amazing <laughs> well i had nothing to do with that show but i enjoyed watching it yeah <laughs> but but that's what i mean like you have and that's one it's very rare that a show is that big and fades that quickly. Oh yeah, because that was the first season of Jersey Shore was enormous. I think that's. I think feel like I feel like that's more common than not for reality shows. Now. Yeah, like I think something like a Kardashians, you're just amazed that it's able to have been going on that long. There's just so many shows that just. But I feel like stuff enjoy. picks up steam, like Real Housewives, for instance. Yeah, Housewives still like that's well. something where you know it did okay, and then all of a sudden it became this huge phenomenon. Low deck, and there's. Yeah, and there's uh, and all the cake boss and cake wars and cake bakey shows and everything where people are making cakes. Are those still big? I feel like uh, the, the cake boss. Uh, well, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. Look, I'm not up clearly the way I just said cakey shows. <laughs> I don't think it's you know. I, I don't think I truly understand all of them. But it's, they uh, were. But between that and there was a cupcake one and there was a well, there's the British baking. Th- that British that's, bake oh, one no, is huge that's now. A fantastic show. Yeah, clearly my, my I kid, my my kids love that show. Clearly I'm a huge fan. I don't even know the name of it, but <laughs> but bake. the idea is that like but but these these things you know gain steam and and Top Chef and Chopped and like there are a lot of the food shows that did that. Um, I I just find and we're way off topic here, we but I just, I just find the the well, idea I, I, of something I'll being talk that all day with you. yeah being that hugely compelling and then just gone you know and then just everybody being like we don't like this anymore like it was <laughs> that was pretty quick you know hey, you know it's a fantastic website to yeah. read all about uh, pop culture and, and thrillist yes nice <laughs> nicely done um and th- that is actually like thrillist is something that's why that's why i reached out because thrillist is a brand that has really done a good job as as presenting itself as more high-end and more like and when i say high-end I don't mean like, you know, snooty twirling a mustache with a cigar and a top hat like 1800s high end. I mean, and I don't mean Gwyneth Paltrow high end where they're like, where she's like, what you really need to do is never spend less than $700 on socks because that way, I don't know why I keep going back to socks. My point is- For the record, I love Gwyneth Paltrow. It's, she's wonderful, (laughs) but that, but her blog is ridiculous. It's the most out of touch, aspirational. uh, I think most people read it sarcastically. Um, but like Thrillist actually does a good job of being like <clears throat> the idea of like, hey, you want to seem like you're in the know. Yeah. You know, you want to be cool. These are things that cool people are doing. Yeah. And, and that, that's always been the idea. Yeah. And which which so many so many sites that try to be like the go to guide for something cool and something in the know are they come off trying too hard. So right. you guys do a good job at. I, I mean, I'm not saying you don't try hard. I'm saying you don't seem like tryhards. <laughs> oh, thank you. Which is, yeah. I mean, listen, then that is the staff. It's an incredible group of people who are, you know, they're incredibly passionate about trying to find the, you know, most, the, the best bow in Los Angeles uh, or, you know, trying to figure out the, you know, the, the best flight deal to get you to Hawaii for your vacation. And they're, uh, I, I'm utterly amazed on a daily basis about how hard they work and how talented they are. I I always try to learn something from the from the failure of the guest because uh, that's the point of the podcast. And I think what's really interesting with yours is, you know, you had pre-failure. Mm-hmm. You had the promise that you made yourself uh, to, that you made to yourself, which was you wanted to be at the center of something. Um, and I set myself up to fail. I knew I would fail. Yeah, but when it became something you didn't want to be the center of, you walked away. Yes. 
And I think that that is a great lesson for people to learn because quitting something doesn't make you a quitter. No, God, no. It means quitting something that you don't believe in or that you don't think you're right for is the opposite of quitting because it means you are not quitting your principles. It means people, you're n- People don't quit enough. Yeah. People stay <laughs> People stay in situations way longer than they should. Also a positive, <laughs> also a good choice for a name for the episode. People don't quit enough. Listen, ultimately and what I always say this to, to people who, you know, I, I never get angry if someone leaves yeah. my employee. Um, cuz what I, you know, what I always say is ultimately you may make the wrong call, but it's your choice and ultimately nobody is going to manage your career but you. Yeah. You can have mentors, you can have people you look up to, you can have bosses who really care about you, and I've been really fortunate that I have, but ultimately it's on you, and if you feel like there's a better opportunity, you should definitely, you should always take that. I only get mad if someone has, like, left me in the lurch on something. Sure. You know, where You can go, there's ways you can go out. Yeah, there, there are respectful ways you can go out, and there are respectful ways you can let people go as well. Both sides, and, I, you know, listen, you and I are in the same business. The reality is, is that you're... 90% of the time, you're going to work with this person again. Sometimes yeah. I've had literally situations where I've worked for somebody and then they've worked for me yeah. and vice versa. And how you go out how, uh, is incredibly important and how you tell somebody when you when you ultimately have to do that uh, is incredibly important and people don't think about that nearly enough. Yeah, lots of good lessons. And we didn't even get to talk about, we were talking about something before we went on I know, that I wanted to talk about. about. We were talking about the, the, uh, the stick to people. Yes. Which is the, I think we have enough time to go over this real quick. So <laughs> this is the, clearly an issue for you. The stick to people are the people who say, like, stick to comedy. Don't talk politics. Don't talk anything else. Stick to comedy, etc. And we were talking about this casually off the air. And it's just, it's such a subject. It, I find it so funny that someone who, like, maybe they're an auto mechanic. Maybe they're a doctor. Maybe they're an astronaut. Maybe they're a brain surgeon. Maybe they're a teacher. Whatever they are, they're not sticking to that. Why are entertainers the only people who get told that the only thing we're allowed to do is dance monkey dance? No, in fact, we want people. Hey, you should be more politically aware and more politically active. Yeah. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yet, when does entertainers know? You're not allowed to. Absolutely. And, and I do understand the idea of when someone speaks out of complete ignorance, when, like, when Paris Hilton was wearing the voter die shirt, and I was like, maybe you're not the... But at le- but maybe there were people who were like, okay, I'll go vote. You know, maybe she influenced another dummy. I don't think it made anybody not vote. I thought about it. No, <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, the the uh, or, or it was like yeah, Paris Hilton like P Diddy and like no, I, I, it was Puffy's thing. Yeah, Puffy was the voter. I guess. Yeah, I was. We worked with him very closely. Yeah, but the and and I I like that they're driving a good message. That I do understand when it's just like okay. Make sure you're somewhat knowledgeable about something before you speak about it. But if you're knowledgeable about something outside of your field, why not? Yeah. Like there are comedians who like Ryan Singer knows a ton about like metaphysical stuff. And I would love to hear him talk about that because I know nothing about that. And I'm <laughs> stick to comedy. I don't want to hear about your metaphysics. <laughs> like, no, I'm curious. So yeah, there are people who have expertise in all kinds yeah, of different. George Carlin stuff. should not have talked about politics. Yeah, culture. absolutely yeah. not. I also ruined oh, his career. Yeah. I love the people who who say you're going to lose half your audience and be like, I don't think you know how this works. <laughs> like the uh, I I tried writing a joke about it, never worked. About the idea of like walking into a dress shop and being like, you're only making clothes for half your audience. It's like no, they're making clothes for 100 percent of their audience. Not everybody wears dresses. That's how it works. But anyway, I just want to talk to about the stick to people because you get that too. All the time. Yeah. All the time. It's the best. 
Yeah, you can't. I mean, listen, we, for us, it's about food, right? Yeah. You can't talk about food without talking about culture. And oftentimes you can't talk about food without talking about issues of race and culture and class. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're avoiding that, then you're really not doing your audience a service. Yeah. So and then people also the Internet is full of people who like they see a word. And then it's just an ink blot for them. <laughs> right. It's not even it's stuff that has nothing to do. I think Facebook is the most common with that. When you post something on Facebook, you know, like I'll post something about my dog and someone will just be like, I had a dog once and we took him on this vacation in North Carolina. You know, it's really hard to find barbecue in North Carolina or like whatever what like that they want. It's actually very easy to find barbecue in North Carolina. And, my your, point dog's, is, and your dog's a Nazi. That'll be yeah, really complicated. Yeah, exactly. And then that's the last thing. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's the internet is such a ridiculous inkblot. Anyway, uh, Ocean, I really look forward to seeing, you know, how you grow Thrillist and, yeah. and uh, everything that, you know, you folks are putting out. And, you know, for those who are watching uh, and listening and, and however you consume this, um, reading a transcript of it, which I don't think we have. Uh, please, uh, you know, please go go check it out. Is there anything you're working on now that you can tell us about? Anything you're exciting, excited about coming up? Oh my God, we have so much. I mean, you know, we are a true distributed media company, so we're on every any platform you want to be on, including real life. Uh, we are, we're there. Um, we've got a great uh, article coming out uh, this weekend on the uh, the best barbecue restaurants around the country. Probably Please. some in North Carolina. Probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. No By the time this airs, it. it's probably already up on Thrillist. So go to so, Thrillist.com and check so it out. So yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Uh, and and as a traveling comic, that is who enjoys himself some barbecue. One of that is one of the main uses for Thrillist is hey, I'm going to a city. What should I do? I have had so many arguments with people about my preferences of barbecue. I accidentally went. I didn't know it was in town. I went to the barbecue championships in Memphis. I happened to be booked there that weekend, and it was amazing. Oh, I can't even. Oh, just everything just fell off the bone. One of the guys who wins perennially almost won mayor of Memphis because people <laughs> just like him so much. They're like, vote for the guy. He's got good ribs. Maybe he has good ideas for policy. One of the best towns in the country. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um, anyway, uh, Ocean, thank you so much. Is there anywhere, anything you want to drop for people to follow you or anything like that? Uh, sure. Uh, uh, o McAdams uh, on Instagram. You can All right. see pictures of my kids surfing and uh, lots of food. All right, if you're a fan of <laughs> pictures of children surfing and or food, <laughs> follow O. McAdams on Instagram. Uh, as always, uh, please uh, share, subscribe, like, do all that stuff. And thanks for tuning in. Bye.